Ursula Villarreal-Mura's chapbook collection of interconnected stories is only 53 pages long, but it offers flash stories spanning three decades, from the 1990s to the present day, and settings in San Antonio and beyond. Points of view vary from first to second to third. The subject matter also varies and offers interesting dualities, stark sadness and dark humor. Callow, wide-eyed narrators alongside older and wiser ones still trying to figure out life's unanswerable questions. It's a little book that packs a tremendous punch. This is Book Public from Texas Public Radio. I'm Yvette Benavides. I spoke to Ursula Villarreal Mura about her book, Math for the Self-Crippling. Okay, so this piece is called Blood Paisley's 1990. Do you remember when drive-by shootings were an epidemic in San Antonio? When in middle school, every morning, you'd greet your gaggle of friends by saying, you survived the bullets, you nasty gangbangers. And they replied with quips like, yeah, I'm thug like that. Or, I was wearing my Crips colors, fool. Only you were all 12-year-old private school girls, scared by the local nightly news, sick by the body counts in the newspaper headlines. Some of you were Mexican-American, some of you were white. All of you were equally fascinated by your uncivilized city as you were by your newfound period blood. Whenever an errant blood paisley stained a skirt or gym shorts, the group issued a warning to the victim. Vato, you've been shot near the buttocks, get help. Gangs were the rage, initiations were never ending, and you were held hostage in the prime of puberty. This was before you began describing hip hop as iambic, before you seriously considered the idea of leaving San Antonio, years before you developed your insulated New England daydream. The prospect of staying in your bloody city, well, that was a chalk outline you could draw on your sleep. So your book is called Math for the Self-Crippling. It's, that's a pretty enigmatic title on the surface. Um, and these are fiction stories. They're interconnected stories. But can you tell us what that title means or what does it mean at least in terms of the way that you conceived the collection or the way that you even talk about the collection to other people? Sure. So um, I'm someone who thinks titles are very important and I work with undergraduate students and a lot of times they don't, they even when they write a paper and they're not taking it seriously, they don't even give it a title. And so I'm someone who is always telling them, put a title, even if it's not the final one, you'll come back to it, but it'll feel more official once you have a title. And so um, I knew that I wanted a title that people would remember or that was unique in some way. And I have a story within the collection called Math for the Self-Crippling. Um, and it felt like um, like that was a title that could encompass the entire book for various reasons. Um, I felt that it was memorable. Um, it kind of implies um, kind of a frustration um, that I think is embedded in some of these stories. Um, and also just the idea of struggle and mental health. Um, there's a thread of mental health within the book, and um, especially 
um, in the Latino community, I feel like that's pretty much ignored or um, kind of, you know, put under the rug. And I wanted to be, um, I wanted that to come through and to, to be vulnerable and for the title to be vulnerable um, because th that was just an important theme in the book. I agree. There's so many things. I mean, the, the idea of stigma uh, in the Latino community around uh, mental health, I, I think that's such an important idea. Um, and so many other things and some things about San Antonio and and et cetera. But I want to talk to you first about uh, flash fiction. This seems to be a kind of storytelling that you return to again and again. And I think sometimes people might misunderstand what flash fiction is all about or what it can afford you as a writer and as a, and as a storyteller and even what it can afford uh, to us, to readers. So can you talk a little bit about how you work in flash fiction and why that's a form that you return to? Sure. Um, I have to say that flash fiction was a form that I was aware of, but I didn't really embrace. And in, when I was in graduate school, I took a, a class my first semester and we had to read an entire um, anthology of flash fiction. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is like the most hated book I could ever read right now. Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted long stories and I really believed that a complete story had to be between four and 16 pages. And, you know, as I read the flash fiction anthology with the class and we discussed it, I started to get convinced that a story could be told, a very compelling and interesting story could be told within a thousand words. And, you know, it, it was a very hard uh, revelation for me because I fought it. I was so, I was such a defensive learner. Um, I didn't want to believe it. I wanted to hold on to this very rigid concept that stories were four pages long, at least. Um, and some of the stories in the anthology that I read that convinced me were actually written in other languages and they had been translated into English and included um, among you know, American writers. And I was very um, fascinated with how a writer could have such a, a build a world in so few words and leave an impact on the reader. Um, and it just became kind of an obsession for me just because at first I hated it so much and, and resisted it. And then I wanted to know, like, how can they trick me or how can they do this magic on me? <laughs> and I tried to teach myself how to write Flash for a few years. And, um, you know, I probably revised my first story, Flash story, like something like 75 times or something, just because um, I was teaching myself and it wasn't so much about the story itself, but like every, you know, I realized every word is important. Every sentence is important. Every paragraph has to transition in a way that's meaningful. And so um, I kind of fell in love with the form just because I really wanted, it was like a nut I needed to crack. And so um, I just started writing all these flash stories just so I could um, learn the form. And before I knew it, I had an entire book. Wow. I mean, and I mean, flash is one of those things. I think people have some um, people misunderstand what it's about or they think it's easy or you can just like crank these stories out. And 
Uh, that's really not true. I mean, I tend to think that, I mean, it's almost much harder uh, to write a really good flash piece. I don't know. And it's, it is time consuming. It's not, it's like the same way I feel about poetry. Like to write a poem is not an easy thing, I have to say. Um, So I, I like this idea about you know, trying to solve the puzzle of it for yourself as a reader and figuring things out about it on your own. And the idea of work in translation, I think, is also really compelling where flash fiction is concerned. Um, But this book is a collection of these linked short flash pieces, stories that move us from the, the speaker's childhood through to adulthood. And it's interesting in that we don't really see like this totally fluid, complete chronology around, you know, large and small events. Instead, they come to us as these moments of almost like imperceptible mm, conflicts or tensions, even traumas. I just, I find that so interesting just in terms of process, this idea of like the really small and subtle things that are magnified here that mm-hmm. that make up like the individual story and it's like this you know gorgeous necklace of all these smaller beads what was your your process like with this book like did you know the the full story of the book or were you writing towards something in your process what what was that like for you you know When I first started the stories in this book, like I said, I was just trying to teach myself flash. I was just trying to write something compact and compelling and maybe have some kind of memorable imagery in there. And so I didn't, when I first, you know, the first maybe five pieces I wrote, I didn't even think I could write a flash book. Um, And so I didn't really have a goal at the beginning. Um, It was only after I had maybe published maybe eight to 10 of these pieces that I started to think, this is kind of, it's building a constellation. It's building a narrative. And it was all happening subconsciously when I was writing them. I wasn't linking them in my head per se, but they were all kind of fitting together. Um, And so probably around 2017 or so, 2016, I started, I, you know, just playing around with the order of them and putting them together in a Word document and reading them to see if it made any sense, if they were if they were in conversation with each other. And, and you know, to my surprise, they kind of were. Um, the version that got published um, by Goldline is a different version than the one that I put together in 2017. It's very similar. Um, but yeah, I would say it wasn't until maybe five years, four or five years after I started writing the first pieces that I envisioned it as a book. And it, But it does have that movement, as you say, like we're so invested in the character from the beginning. And it's not necessarily like this, like, I don't know, like House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros, like this vignette, the string of vignettes that's like, you know, hers, that's that book's a Bildungsroman, right? And we sort of stay with this young character th- through this formative time. But in this book, it's sort of like we move even beyond that to um, some really complex 
uh, stories that are related to relationships and college. And we see that the character has uh, is an adult now. And uh, it's just such an interesting thing to move from story to story and, and even have a sense of the character um, in, a, in a very real way um, and getting to know her and then watching her in these other situations as an adult. It's just a, a really interesting. And it's sort of like you're reading and before you know it, you look up and you're thinking, oh, she's been through so much already. <laughs> <laughs> and and now, you know, life is still really hard for her, you know. So there's a lot of resonance there, let me tell you. So um, I enjoy uh, that sort of that you know, coming to that discovery uh, at a certain point near the end of the book, I'm just, I was sort of like, but she still has this very, um, she's very observant. She's very sensitive. She's very watchful. You know, all of these qualities that she had as a child, I, I, I really love the way that they come through in these vignettes where she's older and in these other situations in a new place away from home in a new country in a new relationship right it's 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 really remarkable thank you very much yeah i think that um i wanted i think that for a lot of women um particularly women of color um and maybe even latinas um since that's my own experience i can only speak to that um there is a lot of hardship um, navigating uh, through through everything, through childhood, through being bullied, be, through uh, romantic relationships, um, maybe getting the short end of the stick at work too. Um, I know Latinos are paid less than any woman um, in America. So there's just a lot of, um, whether they be intentional slights or, you know, systematic, uh, systemic, you know, problems that I, you know, that really can affect a person. And I, I didn't want it to be a really um, down book in any way. Um, I wanted it to be realistic, but I tried to infuse some sort of like dry humor or wit in there to balance or offset some of the, um, some of the more, some of the heavier pieces. Um, because obviously um, I feel like there's always a little bit of levity um, necessary um, that gets us through life. And I wanted that to come through a bit. Um, hopefully it does. Um, but yeah, I think that um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a realistic book because um, there's just so many, uh, you know, there's so many moments in life where you think like, wow, like, was this, was that intentional? Did that like, is it me or would this sort of happened to anyone? Um, and I think probably everyone can relate to those, those instances. Well, I do have to agree that there are those moments of, of, of dry humor, almost like the absurdity of life sometimes in the ways that we have to negotiate certain things. Um, that does come through along with, you know, some very um, weighty, realistic elements. Um, I read an interview online on the site called Necessary Fiction that you did, and you were asked to describe your research for the book. And you um, explained 
four key areas related to the book, houses, dreams, therapy, and mysticism. Uh, so if you're listening to this, <laughs> everybody out there, that, that, that alone is worth reading, just the, your answers to, uh, to, the, to that particular prompt. Um, so I made a list of a few concepts, and I wonder, uh, so it's unfair on the spot to ask you to do this, but let's, <laughs> let's see where this goes. If you might talk to us a little bit about these terms, um, these ideas, these prompts in terms of your research and your writing. And, and you know, you can say pass and we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> Let's see how <laughs> okay. it goes. So um, I have family, San Antonio, school, and travel. And I, I'm going to save the last one, but pick any one of those that you'd like to, t that you want to talk about just in terms of your research and your writing, family, San Antonio, school, and travel. I want to start with San Antonio. Oh, good. Um, so I grew up in San Antonio, obviously born and raised there. And um, I always wanted to be a writer and the writers, um, I obviously read Sandra C. Snettles and loved her. And she was the, um, she did a reading near, um, near my high school actually. And I went to see her read out loud and it was just a magical experience. But this is going to sound crazy, but because she was local and because I could go see her, I didn't realize how um, universally she was read. I thought she was just um, someone from our neighborhood or someone from our city, like a local legend. I didn't realize that she was being, um, you know, assigned, she, her books were being assigned in school and stuff. And so um it wasn't until many years later that I thought, oh my gosh, how fortunate am I that I got to see Sandra Cisneros being read. But aside from Sandra, I didn't know any writers who lived in San Antonio. I didn't, um, it all seemed like an impossible dream in a way. And so um, I thought if I ever become a writer, I'm going to write about San Antonio. And I wholeheartedly believe that I've been shaped by San Antonio. And so I wanted um, to write stories in which there was a Latina protagonist um, who wasn't what a lot of books show us of Latina protagonists um, with troubled, super troubled families or they're, um, you know, really outspoken women, you know, shouting in the streets and stuff. I wanted there to be kind of a introverted Latina living her life in San Antonio. That was my dream because I had never read a book exactly like my lived experience. Um, and I had read a lot of books. And so I decided I was going to, to do that, write stories that took place in San Antonio that reflected um, what an introverted Latina um, would experience. And so that was central to this book. And family, school, or travel? Should we try one more? Um, yeah, let's try. Yvette, I'm going to let you pick. I'm going to choose travel because it is such a it is a part of this book, and I, and I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about travel. Yeah, you know, I um, I lived in San Antonio for 18 years, and I didn't even get on a plane until I was 14, and I got on a plane with my grandmother. She went to go visit a relative in California. And then I didn't get on a plane again until I was 
18 and going to college. And I had decided to go to college out of Texas. I went to, um, to college in Vermont, to Middlebury College. I had taken family trips to Mexico um, as a child and as a teenager, but I had never explored even the United States. And so that was a dream of mine to live in another place and to um, to see who I was in another place. And so I went to school in New England. It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I, stu- I, I stuck it out. Um, and then uh, as an adult, I decided, you know, this is kind of an opportunity for me to to explore some more. And so I did travel a lot. And I found um, that even though I'm definitely shaped by San Antonio, there's so much to see and experience. And I feel like uh, so many, someone's perception could so easily be um, enhanced by seeing other people's way of life, um, other cities, other ways of being. Um, And so I'm fortunate that I have traveled a lot. And and I wanted to to share that in my writing because I think that, especially for a book that spends a lot of time in San Antonio, um, it's important that you know not everyone's the same in San Antonio. Even though we may all have a, um, a similar um, background in terms of um, our, you know, a lot of people are descended um, from Mexico. There's such a variety um, of experiences and. Um, and I wanted this character to be someone who had spent her life there, been shaped there, and then decided to leave. Um, and then, you know, come back, visit her old house. Um, you know, they always say you can't come back home, but of course you can, but you're just a different person. Um, and that was, that was a goal of mine to see that evolution of who she was from um, being picked on by Cholas to then um, returning and uh, having, you know, experiences on the highway with her husband and then um, in a job. This is a work of fiction, but I think you've explained it just even in terms of of your own lived experiences. And I, I love this idea because I'm someone who really believes that when you go somewhere, when you travel someplace, when you're when you're in a new space, you you really do bring yourself. You are yourself in that space. Um, so there there's something that I really like about this idea that this character who's so shaped by a lot of different things in San Antonio, everywhere she goes, it, I f- as I'm reading the story, I'm feeling like she is still her full and whole self in this new place even though I feel like when when she returns to San Antonio she's still who she was but as you say she's changed there's like this sort of uh, new layer of who she is that's coming now back you know everywhere she goes she's just who she is including when she returns to San Antonio I just I just love this idea of really getting to know this character and sort of moving through the narrative and coming to the last page and feeling like even though there's still a, a lot of mystery here, there's still a lot that, you know, that w- there's no tidy endings. It's not going to be revealed to us 
it just doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way, and literature doesn't either. But that we feel a little closer to understanding some of the conflicts that and some of the losses that she's moving through um, in her life. The last one I want to ask you, and I was saving this one, is books, mm-hmm. masterpieces, art, writing, books. What does that say to you? It, like in terms of your your research and your writing, what does that mean to you? Well, I think they're interconnected, to be honest, because the um, the penultimate story in the book is called Masterpieces. And in the story, the um, narrator is at work and um, there's, I guess, some work drama going on. And she says that she's tempted to shout, in the grand scheme of life, I'm tempted to shout, a job is a footnote. It is a means, not a Michelangelo. <laughs> and so she's referencing... Um, art, obviously art history. Um, So yeah, I'm someone obsessed with art, obviously. Um, I used to spend a lot of time in museums. When I lived in New York, I went to the museum, to different museums, probably once or twice a week. Um, The MoMA in New York, when I lived there, always had these really great international films being um, aired in their tiny little theater. And I would go after work. And um, I just felt like my life was so rich because I was just, I wasn't writing at the time, but I was constantly surrounding myself with art. Um, So I think that, you know, especially when people are depressed or in a deficit or or just don't feel very creative, to be around art is really powerful. Um, You know, if if we have like a God-sized hole or some sort of you know, whole or sadness. I feel like art really does play a role in maybe filling it at least temporarily for ourselves. It did for me for a while. Um, I, I like, I can't even say that it's just restricted or limited to museums because there is, I'm obsessed also with reading manga. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I read manga quite a lot. And this past Saturday, I spent the whole day reading a a collection of manga on the couch like 400 pages (laughs) um and i just love being transported and you know some of the scenarios are very unrealistic in some of the things that um some of the art that i enjoy um but i just love that element of imagination i love that escape um i'm somebody who listens to music a lot sometimes they make playlists for running um that start in english and then transition to spanish Mm -hmm. I think there's something really magical about language. I think the human brain is just so fascinating that, you know, even for bilingual speakers, the ability to switch languages mid-sentence or mid-conversation is fascinating to me. So I love listening to language. I love um, reading books in translation because, like I said, I feel like there's so, um, so many people from so many different countries are exploring different forms, um, even in writing. I think we have these traditions that sometimes we're not even aware of, whether it's, you know, starting a story a a particular way or ending with a, you know, hanging, you know, suspenseful ending that we might not fully be processing. But once we're introduced to something that's radically different, then we have this awareness, oh, this is the way that we tell stories here. But in other places, stories are told, you know, non-linearly in a nonlinear way, or, you know, they start with this, or, um, you know, there's just so much variation, I think, within 
different types of art forms, writing in particular. Um, so I think that there's so many masterpieces and so many genres. So the first time I read your book, I underlined in the grand scheme of life, the job is footnote, it is a means, not a Michelangelo. And I thought, that's the tattoo, or, you know, that's the t-shirt or the bumper sticker. Um, so, but I feel also like to come to, come to you know, where you are um, in your writing career, and I know you're also uh, a teacher, is this idea of that young girl in San Antonio, perhaps listening to Sandra Cisneros reading this, the idea of not to pay it forward. I, I don't mean it like that necessarily, but what is, and I'm sure you have lots of really good advice for your students, um, but what is something that you can share with our listeners around what reading means to you or what writing means to you? If there's that young 12-year-old girl out there listening to this podcast episode, what do you what do you have to say? I would say enjoy other people's imaginations and your own. Um, I think that's the key. I think there's so many ways to escape into really interesting um, scenarios just through reading, through watching movies, through music. Um, it's fascinating to leap into someone else's version of the world. Um, and I think that's the beauty of life, seeing, being um, aware of all the different lenses through which we can view the world. Arcella, thank you so much for talking to me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you about all of these fantastic ideas in your book, Math for the Self-Crippling. Thank you for having me, Yvette. It was a pleasure. Ursula Villarreal-Mura is the author of Math for the Self-Crippling. It's published by Goldline Press. This has been Book Public from Texas Public Radio. Write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. Jacob Rosati composed our theme music. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. We had help from David Martin Davies. I'm Yvette Benavides. <laughs>